Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards, the Midwest Coalition of Labor, sitting to my right this time. Bigger studio. Bigger, we're, we're moving up in the world. But Ed, I'm Ed Maher, Ed the National Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Yeah, and we have a, today probably, you know, like I wouldn't say one's more important than the other, mm-hmm. but we have uh, some pretty high-profile guests this morning. Absolutely. We've got a, a labor panel um, that's here to talk about something really important, and that is Workers' Memorial Day, which is being recognized this year in Illinois. So we're going to have Jane Flanagan. She's the director of the Illinois Department of Labor. Tim Dre from the Illinois AFL-CIO. He's the uh, president. Um, Representative Marcus Evans, he's the Assistant Majority Leader, chairs the House uh, Labor Committee down in Springfield. And he he is the one who introduced this uh, resolution for the Workers' Memorial, That's correct? exactly right, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then uh, Pat Devaney, who's the Secretary-Treasurer of the uh, Illinois AFL-CIO. So going to be a lot of, you know, we'll talk safety, we'll talk, uh, you know, just sort of the state of work um, in Illinois with them. Yeah, pretty high-level folks. Um, yeah, don't miss it. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not used to having such high level people on the show, huh? No, no, we're still working on getting Clarence Thomas in here, but he's not returning any of uh, any of our phone calls. So well, we'll keep, talk. We'll be talking about that later. We'll keep I'm talking not, about it. I, maybe. Might, I might have an in with Clarence. Yeah, you just uh, trying to get Jenny picketing out in front of the building here. <laughs> so he had a bad week. So again, yeah, talk about that yeah, later. but that's for sure. So Workers Memorial, real quick, um, is basically a, a day that's honoring. Uh, workers who have gotten hurt and right. or passed away on the job. And unfortunately, you know, if you're reading the news, um, there has been a lot. Yeah, I mean, firefighters have been very high profile. Um, but, um, you know, people in trenches, people uh, who work on highways and construction. Obviously, and, the rail industry. Absolutely. I, I mean, mean it's, I think one of the most important things that uh, Workers Memorial Day does is it reminds people that deaths at work were not the product of coal mines or chimney sweeps or That's um, right. you know things from you know Upton Sinclair books. This is uh, people who are going to work in modern jobs today. It's still happening every day, and it can happen to anyone. And it needs to stop. Right. And and one way to do that, of course, is to organize because as or, you know, as a union, you have a say in your right. own job safety. Uh, you're listening to the Workers' Mike right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mike right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. He's Ed. And as we talked about uh, at the top of the show, we are super, super psyched to have with us four, count them, four very distinguished guests. Um, and I'm just going to take it in order of where everybody's sitting, not necessarily in order of importance. <laughs> right. So I'm going to start with the right, Pat Devaney. And Pat, why don't you say hello? Hey, hello, everybody. And, glad, and Pat, who, who are you? What's your title? Um, I'm the secretary treasurer for the Illinois AFL-CIO. I've been in that position for about three and a half years. And uh, how many members does the AFL-CIO have here? We represent 900,000 union wow. members and 1,500 affiliates across the state. Wow. You're a firefighter by trade, right? I came from the firefighters union. I ran the statewide firefighters union for about 12 years, and I was a career firefighter right. down in the state in Champaign. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks Glad for coming. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. And then next up is Tim Dre. Yeah. Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming, Tim. What's your title? Uh, president of the Illinois AFL-CIO. I work day-to-day with Pat mm-hmm. and, uh, as, a, as an officer for those 900,000 members. How long have you been uh, with the AFL? I've been there 
16 years. Wow. Yeah, I spent uh, 13 years as uh, secretary treasurer and then moved up three years ago to president. What did you do before that time? I started out as a, a coal miner in central Illinois. I followed my father and uh, worked in the mines uh, 11 years. That's amazing. Good for you. It's an amazing backstory. I've heard yeah. the backstory a few times. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So two, literally two worker bees, you know, are, are now running, you know, the... the, the Federation that covers 900,000 yeah, working I mean, men and women. It's amazing. So that's yeah. kudos to you guys for doing that. Absolutely. And that, that Thank you. And it, it makes you feel good about Illinois because Illinois is really a state of, of workers, right? And, and it, it's important. So you guys not only... You know, talk the talk, but you have walked the walk. You you have been in the the position of, of the working class, and I think that's really important. Right? Yeah. Carried a bucket. You carried, carried a bucket. bucket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. You've, right. been, you've been in a coal mine, which is more than most people yeah. can say. <laughs> I was just a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a communication. I roll pencils back and forth across the desk most of the day. You're very good at. I it. can spin around in my chair like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have. Uh, state representative, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And also assistant majority leader. I did not know that. Yeah. Marcus Evans. Say hello. How you doing? I'm Marcus Evans. And also, I chair our Labor and Commerce Committee. So, That's of course, right. I work with the labor leaders of Illinois, mm-hmm. try to push good policy. And I represent a working class community, southeast side of Chicago. So, yeah. no million dollar houses in my community is, is working people. Good. How long have you been doing it? I've been a state rep for 11 years now. It kind of flew by. Uh, but I've been a chair of the committee for about four of those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know, um, really enjoy creating policy to help workers. You know, yeah. And you uh, are also by trade, you're an appraiser. Yeah, so I'm a real estate appraiser. We do a lot of uh, commercial work, but you know, appraise, appraising is so important. You know, it's all about opinion of value, and it impacts so much in the communities and for working people. So, it'd be something I'll be doing forever. Yeah, good. You know, I, I think uh, I'm gonna. Can I call you Marcus? Yeah, please don't call me. <laughs> all right, I, I appreciate that. Um, you left. I, I'm, a, I'm a referee too. What? I'm a basketball referee. I don't, we don't want to go off. I didn't. I want to hear about that. No, let's get, let's yeah, but I'm a basketball referee. I'm really? a high school basketball referee. Really? really? Yeah. It's my favorite thing to do. I heard you're the worst referee out there. Yeah, well, I'll kick you out the game. <laughs> that's a kid, that's a, yeah, the kid that fouled out last night told us that. <laughs> that's what he told us. But you know, a lot of people don't realize, Marcus, that state reps and, and politicians here in Illinois. You know, you're not making a million dollars. You know, as a as a representative, right? It's not like you have this mansion, you know, or you're a you know a billionaire, you know, like the you know the the the, the Fed and, and whatnot. You guys have jobs. Yeah, we, most of us are regular folks. I mean, we have yeah. folks who are rich or what have you, but most of us are working class. And I live in Avalon Park, Southeast Side. I live right. in a bungalow. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see any Secret Service following <laughs> no, you around no, in here. No. Like, he came in by himself, and I said to Ed, I'm like, is that him? He's by himself. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I think that no, is him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like the Supreme Court where you get flown in on a private jet. <clears throat> no, I go to L.A. Fitness to work out, you know, hang out at the local local places. So, yeah. Now you know where you can find him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> L.A. Fitness. Um, and last but not least, uh, we have Jane Flanagan. And Jane, you are... I'm director of the Department of Labor. It's great to be here. Thank it's you really, so much yeah, for being here. Yeah, that's, it's really cool to have you here. So it's the Illinois Department of Labor, yes. not the U.S. Good, Department important of Labor. Important clarification. Yeah, okay. Thank you. For now. Right, right. For now. <laughs> yeah, do you have aspirations? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. not like but, everybody, she gets to Illinois and loves it so much, you never want to leave. <laughs> and what, what's, what's your background? You're, you're not from Chicago. Like, you're not from Illinois. No, so I'm from Maryland. Like you, I was a lawyer. I represented workers. I was a workers' rights lawyer. I represented chicken processing workers on Maryland's eastern shore. Oh, cool. Overtime cases, bus drivers. Oh, that's awesome. I went to work at the Maryland Department of Labor, and then we moved here about 12 years ago. Uh Um, I was at the AG's office for a long time. I founded the Workers' Rights Bureau there. Yeah. 
and litigated cases, did trafficking cases, non-compete cases, um, and I was appointed to this job about a year ago. So this is an an appointment? It is. I gotcha. Um, And where'd you go to school? Law school or? Well, both. Get get the full resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, I went to Northeastern. I have a reason. I have a reason for asking this. Okay, are yeah. you are you a Patriots fan? I am. Well, there you go. Hold on a second. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there we go. You can. There's still time to say I am not a Patriots fan. <laughs> I am not particularly, but I am right, married to a rabid Patriots fan. Yeah. Okay, well, got, got to admit it. You know. I thought she was going to say she's married to a patriot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) So now with that background, um, let's go to you, Marcus. We're here to talk about something that I think is really cool and really important. That is the the Workers' Memorial Day, right? And and this was uh, the result of a resolution that was passed that you introduced. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. Well, of course, you know, we have great leaders here in Pat and Tim, and they talked to me about it. And I think we know people died at work. We know that people still died at work. But it's kind of it would happen these accidents. These are accidents. You know, it's important for employers and people in construction and people in the workplace uh, to protect the workers. Do yeah. everything you can. If you go to work, you should go home. That's right. And I think that years ago, we know people died in dangerous situations. But in 2023, nobody should be dying at right. work. All safety precautions should be taken. And it's such a shame you hear about it. I mean, somebody lost their life trying to take care of their family and, it, and it's so sad and what happens to that family so just just remembering those folks so when we put in legislation or when when jane is talking about safety that we take it seriously like it's not a joke everybody should go home i think when when you talk about workers memorial day a lot of folks might get the idea in their head of you know old black and white pictures yep. of uh dangerous workplaces but every day i mean whether it's trench collapses or um you know the recent passing of two firefighters tragically in the city of chicago this is still happening every day and so i think what you're doing um everyone here is is so important to just remind people that work is dangerous and yes. that we all have kind of a moral obligation and it's doable if we actually try yep. to uh to make workplaces safer and when when is this it's uh what's the day What's the, that April, twenty eighth. April twenty eighth. Next Friday, uh, two weeks from Friday. Yeah, Are you guys going to have a celebration or, or uh, an, well, uh, like commemoration? It, you know, or? Ken, there's there's ten uh, memorial um, ceremonies Ceremony. around the state. Yep. Uh, Rockford, Central Illinois, down in the Metro East, all over. Uh, we're going to have one in Springfield, uh, and uh, Director Flanagan is going to be our, our keynote speaker. Oh, cool! And, and Springfield is like the two firefighters that were tragically killed on the job in Chicago last Friday. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a UA member, plumber and pipe fitter, local 137 member, uh, was killed on the job in Springfield. No kidding. So it's it's still there, uh, very very prominent. That's, you know, three workers in the AFL CIO just this month. And right. We're only at the 14th. Yeah. Prayfully, we don't have any more. So that is a. Uh and this is something that's going to be recurring? Yeah, it's an annual celebration, or a ceremony. Uh, it is before, because uh, the OSHA Act was passed in 1970 mm-hmm. and on April 28th. So every I year, see. nationwide, Worker Memorial Day is commemorated by the AFL-CIO to remember. Got it. And for, for many years, the AFL-CIO has done things. I know last year it was in the, um, in the midst of a campaign to pass the Workers' Rights yes. Amendment. Um, but there were events all over the state yes. for the uh, for Workers Memorial Day. So, um, yeah. can we get a day off for that? By the way, like, is you know, <laughs> can we move it to a Monday? Well, that would be a good idea. But yeah. I think the twenty eighth is special significant. Okay, so okay. we'll we'll keep it there. All right, okay? fair enough. So, 
you know, we, we and we've talked about this uh, several times on, on the air, and that is, you know, remember, obviously, you know, the train derailment, right? Yeah. Or the train derailments, I should say, mm-hmm. right? Explosions at this factory, a police officer dying, you know, and now all of a sudden, we're and we're going to get to this, you know, with Director Flanagan, that is, you know, we have child labor right. all of a sudden coming back. And one of the things that, you know, we, we see, or at least, you know, for, here's from the 30,000-foot view, is that something happens what's the penalty right what what so here let's go let's go to you direct what what, what happens so what what is the penalty sure so you know osha federal osha in illinois inspects and enforces on private sector workplaces mm-hmm. department of labor illinois department of labor we inspect and enforce on um state and local workplaces right and so that is your police your fire sure road and construction workers right. yeah. water sanitation those are high hazard industries yep. um and we will issue an investigation you know we'll start an investigation when we see something one of the heaviest things i do as director is send a letter to a family that's lost someone yeah. like these firefighters we sent those letters last week to say we're so sorry for your loss. We're here for you. We're also going to be reaching out and investigating. Yeah. We're going to be talking to witnesses. Um, those interviews are happening next week for those. Um, so, so what so, are like just take a, what are the penalties? Like, if you find that it was you know gross negligence or they weren't complying with you know X, Y, and Z safety requirement, you know what are the penalties? So there are monetary penalties on a sliding scale, mm-hmm. right? That get more severe as the violations. So there's get dollars more and severe. cents. There is dollars and cents, and there's also you know what lawyers would think of as equitable relief, right? Okay. We want to see this policy change. We right. want to see that you've done this training. We're going to come back in three months. We're going to come back in six months, and we do do those repeat inspections yep. to say what's in place, what's changed, how has your training and your procedures changed. That's a lot of our Illinois OSHA enforcement folks really stress those policies and procedures because in an emergency situation, it's it's like military or anything else, right? You have to have that training. You have to been through those drills right. a million times to actually to in that moment be able well, to... You should, yeah, you should be on the job training safety. You know? <laughs> the uh, safety for dummies book. Hang on a yeah. second. <laughs> right. But right. I, so, but I have, I have a question, and then maybe you know, Pat, you can chime in on this as well. If there's, let's say, you know, you have a, a firefighter who's unfortunately passed away, and if you find that there's a violation, who's that? Who gets fined? What's the violation? Where so does it go? for our enforcement, it goes to the public body, that employer, right? It's, it's an employer's responsibility to provide a safe workplace. So, pattern. So the employer then is what the fire department. Yeah, typically it's a local unit of government, a municipality, city, village, yeah. fire protection district. Right, and they're going to pay that fine. Yes. Yeah, and, and, we, and we utilize the, this opportunity to be able to, not only when accidents happen, but firefighters identifying things at work that appear unsafe right. before an accident happens, so, uh, and IDOL will look into that as well to prevent accidents. It's, Absolutely. A really, it's a really good point, I want to hold you on that thought for a second, but back to this notion of penalties, right? I understand in the private sector, you know, you're a contractor, you get hit monetarily, that comes off your bottom line. You're a public sector, um, you know, department, municipality, Etc. That's taxpayer dollars. Right. Yeah, and typically property taxes when so, it's so, a local unit of government. So, you know, what do you do? You, you you understand? No, absolutely. But that's the point in terms of trying to be preventative yeah. to be able to identify these things. And what I found is the line firefighters, the ones on the ground, the ones going into the buildings to help people, are the ones that are best prepared and situated to identify the problems and work with. For IDOL sure, just like just like the train guys, right? right that said, yep. hey, you know, we, we need another person. On we this need train. another body. We need another several bodies, right? I've always heard this thing with firefighters. You know, we need X number of guys on the truck, Absolutely. right? To, in and, order to and be and safe. That's and that's something we've referred to our that smart too. union who represent the railroaders have 
have been pursuing mm-hmm. in Illinois to have safe staffing levels to make sure these trains can operate safely mm-hmm. to prevent accidents from happening and everyday citizens from getting injured or killed. You yeah. know, that's a good point. I mean, it's not just for the workers themselves, right? But, of course, there's the spillover, right. no pun intended, of, you know, a train derailment that's going to, you know, spill chemicals and, you know, kill people. And it was frustrating. I mean, we talked at, at length after that had happened in Ohio uh, right before the Super Bowl. And um, we talked about both kinds of relief, not only the fact that the drinking water is no longer safe, people are losing pets, people are probably going to suffer some sort of adverse health outcomes, um, and that's all got to be dealt with, Um, but also figure out what happened and make sure that it is fixed. If there's an easy fix, somebody should be looking at it. I mean, in the state of Illinois, we're... We're really fortunate to have a lot of people that are all pulling in the same direction. So we have, um, there are people who want to ask the question, can this be prevented? Can we stop this from happening again? Um, so, Mark, you're, you're on the Labor Committee. I mean, is this a place that, you know, that, that Labor could come and say, hey, you know, we want to talk about safety issues, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe have it a broad discussion, not only with, you know, Illinois Department of Labor, Illinois OSHA, uh, you know, the AFL-CIO, whoever's involved in safety. I mean, is that something that, that, has happened, can happen, should happen. What do you think? I think all of the above, but and also in our revenue finance committee and our appropriations committee, like Pat is saying, if a fire department is saying, "Well, we don't want to spend the extra dollars on X, Y, and Z," right? We we got to file a bill to require it. You know, safety has to be a requirement. Of course, it's always a safety cost, and people don't want to keep costs down. But there's a there's a floor that hey, we got to invest in. We gotta have seat belts. We can't say they're too expensive to put in the car. (laughs) You know, we gotta have certain equipment for firefighters. Even looking at the future, you know, what is the future? No firefighter should ever die. So, what are the new technologies we can invest in? So, really, appropriations is where I think a lot of politicians come in at requiring safety and then making the investments. The appropriations committee. Yeah, just in general, what we spend money on, Mm -hmm. or making sure that the right money is being spent. Are you on that committee? Well, we don't. Have, well, we kind of break it up. I'm not on the appropriate on revenue finance, but we all impacted those last budget bills. Every state rep got to vote on a budget. So yes, we all are an impactful. Uh, I hereby vote uh, Marcus Evans to be the head of the appropriations committee. We're forming the appropriations yeah. committee. Everything could be the. I'm all in favor. All in favor. I. You're gonna get me in trouble. I got to go back to work, man. Work. Sure I don't know if we have a quorum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to take a quick break, um, yeah. but we're going to come back. So, Steve, you guys mind sticking around for the next segment? Please. Oh, we'll Happy right. to do so. Great. When I'm over here. Great. We'll be back. Everybody stay with us right here at the Workers' Mic on WGN 720. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with Ken Edwards. And if you were listening in the last segment, uh, you are familiar with our illustrious labor panel, uh, but I'll reintroduce everybody. This morning, we've got uh, Illinois Department of Labor Director Jane Flanagan. We have Illinois State Representative Marcus Evans, Jr. We have Illinois AFL-CIO President Tim Dre, and then we have Pat Devaney, the Secretary-Treasurer of the Illinois AFL-CIO. Thank you guys for being here. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about different workplaces and uh, the importance of safety. You know, you, you're all in here talking about um, the Workers' Memorial Day, which, of course, is coming up on April 28th. Um, but one thing that I did not know, Director Flanagan, is that 
the Illinois Department of Labor does free on-site safety consultations, and that's for, for any kind of work, work site, correct? That's exactly right. So we have you know that enforcement arm that we talked about, but totally separate and divorced from our enforcement work, we're always focused on outreach, consultation, and compliance. So mm-hmm. we have this on-site consultation program. It's federally funded, so it's totally free. We really focus on small businesses, can be private sector, can be so public sector, like a small municipality. And what, um, do you, what do you do? Do you actually go out on the job site? You'll send one of your safety inspectors out to the job site. So it's really tailored to what that business is looking for. Sometimes right. they just have a particular question. They just want to check in with someone. Sometimes they want that full job site approach and safety plan. Let me ask you um, this. And we'll is, tailor the services. It, it, right. there, it sounds to me, other than if you're going to be, you know, cheating or unscrupulous like it sounds like that's a no-brainer right why would you not want that because you would also think that that probably affects you know maybe the price you pay for your bond or your insurance or your workers comp or you know and any of that kind of stuff it seems to be a no-brainer so where if somebody wanted to get a hold of you because i didn't know this either quite frankly right um it's really really smart i mean it takes away the cost argument completely out of just i mean my headphones hurt at WGN, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I really feel that, that somebody should come in here and do some safety uh, inspection. Well, let's get the number, and you can call it. What's the number? Yeah, so it's 1-800-972-4216, or you can just go to our website, which is labor.illinois.gov. And just okay. ask for Jane. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably pick up. You know, it's not that hard to find me. <laughs> but you can look for that on-site consultation program, and it's it, all the info is there. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, and Marcus, in the last segment, you had said um, – you had referred to safety as an investment, yes. and I think that was extremely well put because, um, you know, my, my background is in the construction industry, mm-hmm. and any construction contractor will always say that the biggest, you know, unpredictable uh, spike in expenses is from a, you know, an unforeseen safety incident. So the amount of care that's put into uh, construction sites for, for safety, whether it's hard hats or whether it's trench safety and, and things like that, is, uh, is enormous. And it is an investment because, you know, we've, we've got to keep people safe. So, um, you know, I think having somebody who's, who's working down there uh, and who's in charge of, you know, some appropriations, the recently elected uh, head of the Appropriations Committee, <laughs> I understand, uh, here at WGN. Trouble, uh, trouble. <laughs> um, but it's great that you, you know, that you understand it that way, and, uh, you know, I can't thank, thank you enough for everything that you do. No, we, I, I think we hope that as a business person listening or uh, say, well, let me do the extra thing that it takes before something happens. And we always talk about construction and the apparently dangerous careers. Sure. You can be in an office space and do they got the proper flooring? Do they on the stairs? Do they got the the strips to make sure in the wintertime you're not slipping? Do they have right keyboards for ergonomics? You know, like all, all of that. There's a there's a ton of stuff that goes into this. When I used to work for the newspaper guild, I mean, literally, people are sitting there typing, you know, two hundred thousand hours a day, and their hands were, would, you know, carpal tunnel. Yeah. And so, but when you say investment, let's just keep going with that. Yeah. You spend ten dollars on safety mm. and perhaps prevent that accident right so you the downstream effect is you're you're not having the municipality you know pay a fine for example right yes. and raise taxes and you know obviously the the human element is god forbid somebody you know gets hurt or loses a limb or, or passes away so i mean it really is an investment and um you know i also want i want to pivot here for a second one of the things we touched on uh, earlier was this notion of you know like you said Ed and you've always said this you know unions right mm-hmm. 
oh, we don't need unions anymore. There's no more kids in the coal mines, and uh, they're a thing of the past. And, you know, and, and Tim, tell us, like, in terms of, like, union job safety, where do we compare to non-union? Well, union jobs are much, much safer, and it's very, very simple because a worker turning in or raising a safety concern cannot be punished for right. bringing that because there's a due process with the union contract. And because he's not scared to do it because there's no, a union contract there's behind a, yes, him, right? right? Yes, So if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're a non-union worker and you say, hey, you know, I think this thing is unsafe, they can go, oh, yeah, by the way, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, right. That's exactly and, and what's, right. What's the recourse that and, you have? And the union will step up too, and 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 make sure that uh, concern is addressed. That's for, for sure. All the workers. I mean, yeah. a, a lot right. of the unions have safety coordinators, right. have big safety programs. Yeah. I know at, at local 150, we always tell our members: if you see something that you know is unsafe, raise it. And right. if if nothing is done. Call the safety coordinator. Don't get in a piece of equipment. Don't try to do this because if you think it's unsafe, you're probably, as you said earlier, the best to know. And in the state of Illinois, for those of you that are listening, and here's you know here's my one piece of free legal advice because I read the statute once, yeah. and that is if you refuse to uh, get in a piece of equipment, like you said, or get in a hole because there's no shoring, or do something that you reasonably, and the key is reasonably, believe is unsafe, it's not a work stoppage, and you cannot be terminated for it. You cannot be disciplined for it, and that's public sector law at the moment. So there's some free legal advice from the workers, Mike. You're welcome. Ken Edwards, attorney at law, <laughs> Esquire. Used to be. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about child labor, because this is something that drives me absolutely ballistic. Yeah. We've had a, a couple long talks about oh, uh, the, just, the changes to state laws in Iowa where they're welcoming, you know, um, Preteens back to slaughterhouses because they think that that's a good idea to solve worker shortages. Yeah, Timmy has to kill a cow. Yeah, poor Timmy. Yeah. Last time we checked in with Timmy, he was down to one leg and I think one hand. And he can't he can't sue because right they passed a law that said you can't sue. I just uh, so Director Flanagan, <laughs> you, you, you speak to this like how anathema is that to a state like the state of Illinois? I mean. I, I totally agree that it's shocking that yeah. we're in 2023 and we're talking about pretty intense child labor violations, yeah. you know, nationally. And I think there's been really good coverage of this issue. It certainly has. Luckily, in Illinois, you know, we do have a strong child labor law. We enforce that law at the Department of Labor. It does protect both, like, how many hours kids can work yep. on a school day during the school year, right? So it's, right. it's talking about those hours concerns. And it also addresses industries. What are industries that should just be off the table, yeah. right? That kids can't work in, they're too hazardous. Like meat processing, for example. <laughs> I mean, that would seem like a no-brainer for everybody. Construction. But yeah. but I'll tell you, you know, following some of this press coverage, we got complaints about some national companies that have been named that have Illinois locations, and we're doing a joint a joint investigation with the AG's office uh, right now. It's good, open. Good. I can't talk about it that much. Yeah. But good. How, do they, how do they get around it? I mean, they, is it uh, hiring like a third-party staffing agency so then the big company can say, we didn't know anything about this, and we're going to look into it and hold people accountable. It seems like that's usually seems what like happens. that may be a model that that's being employed out there. But you know? they need to be punished, and and the punishment needs to go past the independent contractor or the third party. It needs then the punishment needs to get to the company. And if you're talking about a giant mega corporation, you know I forget what it was. One one of them I think was Cheerios, if I'm not mistaken. Right? I mean, it's going to take a very very large fine, like Dominion lawsuit right. fine to make a difference right if you all remember you know back in the what was it the 70s where amc decided something to do with the pacer that it was worth like you know, it was the cost benefit analysis oh, sure. of the cars blowing up i mean are we in that same situation 
Well, I think it's fine, but I actually also think that this kind of press coverage and outreach and raising awareness, yeah. I mean, that that can really impact a company's reputation and bottom line as well. You know, that's a good point. So because, it's got to yeah. be the enforcement, but it's also got to be the awareness and... and um, no, you, you know, know, you know, it's a, it's, it's it's almost like social media peer pressure, right? And so, like, you know, maybe well, people the AFL's, are people are aware and they're they're more engaged with this kind of stuff and well, wanting yeah. to do business with companies that they respect. And sure, trust. look look what happened to what was it Bud Light? People, yeah, people are I mean, shooting up cans of Bud Light because they don't agree with whatever the, the Bud Light who are ad most campaign against, was. Uh, most complaining about cancel culture were the first ones to stop drinking Bud Light. Well, I'm going to start drinking Bud Light. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. I'm going to make up for the all. <laughs> Wait till 9 o'clock at least, all right? <laughs> I already started this morning. <laughs> so, um, what? and you know, you, you bring up this point that, you know, it, bringing awareness, right? And it happening here. I know, and, and Google this, by the way, listeners. So just just Google it, um, because we have talked about this in the past. But if you see something, say something, right? And if you're working next to a 13-year-old, you know that that kid shouldn't be working. you got to say something. Right. And if your boss doesn't want to listen, then say something to the Department of Labor, right? Or right, the and, Attorney and, General. And we're working with community groups on this. We recognize that, you know, it, it, this isn't a – kids – are vulnerable and yeah. they feel pressure to bring money home to their families and that's you know that's not on them um and what a, what, a, what a shame that we're in this world right now where you know it went from you know a, a one working parent and uh, the nuclear family to two working parents and now we have uh, a work two working parents and a working kid eventually we're gonna have like the working cat and the working dog i mean like wh- where, where does this end and that's because wages have been driven down and wage inequality has you know skyrocketed and why because the depression of unionization so if we can you know take the unionization and bring it back up it lifts all ships right i've been over here worried about chat gpt taking jobs but now you've got me thinking about cats and dogs and it's cat gpt <laughs> you didn't hear about that one it's a ken original that's a yeah it's a ken edwards original well done. Yeah, it'll probably get edited or you know i don't know <laughs> wgen seems to want to censor us lately <laughs> So, um, we got the the Workers' Memorial on the 28th. Right. Right? And um, we will have information next week. Uh, uh, we we'll post it on our Facebook that. page. And we'll post it on our Facebook page where it's going to stream if you want to see it. And, if you, you know, look, if you're, if you're somebody that has been through, you know, the sad events of, you know, a loved one getting hurt. Right. Or a union brother or sister getting hurt. Um, you know, feel free to, to comment on that and, and send a message to, to the AFL, send a message to, you know, Representative Evans or, or anybody, put yeah. one on, on our page, because I guarantee that for every 10 accidents that we know about, there's 30 that we don't know about, <sighs> for right? Sure. How do you think these workers' comp attorneys make money? Yeah. Right? There's a cons. I mean, that is not a small industry. No. Personal injury and workers' comp, right? No. So... There's a reason they can afford all those daytime TV commercials. <laughs> and billboards. Right. You know, whatever. Things and, you know, cheap. look, and, and kudos to them for protecting workers yep. and getting them some money. I don't, I don't really begrudge any of them. Okay. Um, but if we can re- actually resolve the root issue, you know, we had talked about once, I don't know if you guys remember this, self-insuring workers' comp, mm-hmm. right? That never got anywhere. But whatever. We're, we're willing to try different things. Yeah. So... Well, I think uh, we're running out of time for this segment, so I think we'll um, take it to uh, take it to a break. I just want to say thanks to all of our panelists for being here. 
um yeah we really we really appreciate you guys coming down especially on on a sunday morning this is this is really important stuff uh you know you you just you can't put a price on on safety and and what you guys do and each and every one of you i think uh are doing god's work yeah you know and and we appreciate that and before you go i i we the first month of our show was almost exclusively focused on the workers rights amendment which passed here last november but uh, i know everybody sitting at this table had an important part to play in making that happen and it wouldn't have happened without each and every one of you so um just from me and you know personally thank you very much um you know a lot of folks might not know how hard that was because with the uh, returns on election night it almost looked like it was done easily but uh that was a that was a long a long effort and it'll pay dividends for workers across illinois for a long time so thank you so much for everything you all did on that yeah absolutely so uh we're going to take a break we'll be back here in just a moment with the workers mic on 720 wgn you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial welcome back everyone to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor right here on 720 wgn i'm ken He's Ed. That was uh, that was pretty cool. That panel. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I, I've had the pleasure to know a couple of our panelists for a while, and um, you know, I know how hard they work and how personally they take this. So nice of them to come up here as well on a Sunday morning. I, Absolutely. You know, I, I got to tell you, we we could spend hours and hours talking with these folks. You know, we we literally just scratch the surface on what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're more interested, quite frankly, listeners, just you know, Google them. Google the Illinois AFL CIO. You know, Google. Uh, Representative Evans, Google the Illinois Department of Labor. There is a ton more that we didn't get to uh, that they do and and what they provide. For sure. Um, and hopefully we'll have them back again. Yeah, and we talk all the time on this show about the crazy things that happen in other places, like right. the child labor stuff yeah. in Iowa, um, you know, anything that happens in Florida, pretty much. And uh, <laughs> but we, we are blessed to live uh, in a state where we have leaders in agencies, in the legislature, and working, you know, in the labor movement who are all pushing to to make sure that things get better. That yeah, you, are, you know, t- a lot of us take it for granted, right. you know, especially you, you, sure. you live and work in, you know, let's say the labor movement in, in, in Illinois, like, wow, you know, things are actually pretty good here, you know, so. Compared to a lot of other states, even in the Midwest around us, things are, you know, we're, we're fortunate, and it's because of people like that. Yeah, no, it's, that was really cool. It's, um, it's been a bad week for, uh, Clarence Thomas, I guess. Huh? You know, he had a bad week last week too. He's on a he's on a, a two week uh, kind of a skid here, but he has not uh, he has not heeded the workers' might call to resign. Has yeah, he? I'm sure. He, I bet he was listening, but well, he, he's, he, he better listen again because it turns out that his benefactor Harlan Crow, no relation to Jim, right? Um, bought property from him bought his childhood home is that what it is allegedly yeah, it's a, a piece of property he paid him like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for it uh and i don't know if it's the home or like a small little piece of land or whatever what uh, does harlan crow need a, a tiny little hundred and thirty dollars he's going to build he's going to build a, a museum oh he's going to build a museum um to commemorate this is what he said this week uh, uh to commemorate the second black supreme court justice uh so he's going to buy the house and make a museum or something i think you know i don't know it seems like a way that you could just for no good reason slip a justice one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in cash but you know, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying that's not what happened. So when he builds this museum, is it going to be filled with Nazi paraphernalia? 
Well, there was that uh, there was that that came out this week that he actually uh, allegedly collects some of that stuff, and I mean this this whole thing just stinks to high heaven. Boy, um, does it ever! And, and I don't, mean, don't don't tell me by the way because I read some some apologetic, you know, oh, you know, he he also collects you know other other things, you know, like yeah, Rick, you don't Rick get away, you don't get away with that when it comes to, yeah, just to be, that just kind because of it's it just like saying like you know I I collect China dolls, but I I also collect heroin, you know, like that's just stupid. Yeah, I mean collecting uh, that type of like nazi propaganda you don't get to do that and say i like history it doesn't you you can't get away with that anymore right that's nonsense but i will say um almost as sort of upsetting as the stuff that clarence thomas has done in the last two weeks or that we found out about him in the last two weeks that to recap is you know accepting uh annual vacations that total half a million dollars and not reporting them right um and uh, you know, taking any sort of donations, Clarence's wife works for a think tank that's taking in money from this one donor. One of how many? You know, we'll, we won't know because there's no adequate reporting right. um, strategy. That you know, it's something that I think that uh, folks in Washington are are trying to change. But um, Clarence Thomas came out and he addressed this, and he said that when he started, one of his mentors told him that you can take the goodwill of other people as long as they are not represented as a party in a case that's in, in front of the Supreme Court. So he's just telling us, I know this looks terrible, yeah. but it's all good. Because somebody, I'm not going to say who, yeah. but somebody told me it was okay. Yeah, I swear. To I, I promise you, somebody told me it was, it was all good. Yeah. And, and by the way, not that like you should do any of your own diligence. It's not like you're a lawyer. Right. <laughs> Yeah, or, or you know, the Supreme Court justice, yeah. and like, you know, it's almost like he's thumbing his nose because he's for he, sure because he's one hundred percent what it is, and because he has what he's got lifetime employment. Yeah, and once again, how does it tie back to labor? Taking money from these think tanks or taking right. vacations from these think tanks, and these think tanks just Google them and very quick. They are anti-union, as anti-union can be. And what does that mean for everybody else? It also means anti-worker, and it means cases like Janus and right right to work coming. And, you know, the writing's on the wall. It just it stinks to high heaven. For sure. So, you know. I mean, and, you know, if, this, if, if either of us tried this, let's say uh, you got pulled over for drinking and driving in the middle of the night, and you said, right. well, officer, you know, my uncle, uh, you know, once told me that if you do it after, you know, all the kids are in sleep and they're not riding their bikes in the street anymore, then it's not a big deal. And the cop would say, well, no, that's, that's not the case. Uh, you know, we're not, gonna, <laughs> we're not just going to take that and You're still going to jail. Away. Right. So what's going to happen? You know, I think that's the question. What's going to happen is hopefully that the country rises up and says, you know, enough is enough. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see if anything gets fixed in the next week. We'll be back next week with we more will. Supreme Court Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and the Worker's Mike here on WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mike, visit WGNRadio.com.